Welcome to Full Blown Coverage, just another football podcast no one asked for. I'm Mark Sayer, and I'm joined each week by Andrew Irvin and Ken Menard. Drew, Ken, how's it hanging? It's fantastic. Low and lazy, my friend. Low and Although lazy. I just, I just had the most overrated uh, Mexican meal you can have, uh, tamale. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were saying tamales always a little bit disappointing. I keep trying them thinking like, I just don't get it. Like I, I just haven't found the right tamale yet. And every time I'm like, I, I think I'm going to quit. I think I'm going to quit on tamales. My problem is it's the ratio of like meat or whatever the other filling is to the corn. Corn. It's, yeah, the corn is, it's like a 90 to 10 corn to meat ratio. They, yeah. we need, they need more meat. Need they more need meat. more meat. If you had more maybe meat and less cheese. corn, or more filling and less corn, do they have corn cheese the either? Maybe, now. maybe throw some cheese in there. I've had some with cheese before, but again, it's overpowered by the corn. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well not be in there. Yeah. All either right. way, it filled me up. Before we get into the game script, we'll start with our new segment again. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Getting to know you, <laughs> getting to know all about Drew. Ooh, nice. The rhyme no master. Infringement there. Hey, I'm well, down. We grilled Ken last week, so Mr. Irvine is in the hot seat whoa, tonight. Whoa, 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 hold on using grilling and people, considering <laughs> all this barbecue shit with Army Hammer in the last week. Like anyone gives it, like anyone cares. Complete and total NBC. Nobody cares. Just be careful with grilling and then somebody's name next to it. Somebody well, he, he didn't say he wanted to grill him. He just said he wanted to eat him. Right. Barbecue. He wanted to oh, barbecue, wanted to barbecue her ribs and eat it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, I, I hate this stuff. Yeah. Also, Mark, I've known you for 30 years and you just pronounced my last name wrong. What did I say? You said Irvine, which is a city. It's not no, my I name. Said, my name's pronounced I didn't say like Irvine. Magic. <laughs> yeah. Rewind magic? the tape. Wait, like magic hey. what? All right. Magic well, Irvin. Magic we'll re- Irvin. We'll rewind it right here. We're starting over right. Irvin now. Magic. No, don't mean. rewind it. Don't rewind it here. When you go back and edit this, play back what you just said and we'll see who's right. Well, that's what I'm saying. But for the purposes of editing it, if I say rewind right now, then when I actually edit the pot, it will make the rewind sound and then it will start it over. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, it's pronounced like Magic Magic Irvin Johnson Irvin, or Michael the Playmaker Irvin. Huh. Irvin Magic Johnson. Yeah. It's not Magic Irvin. Well, my bad. Anyway. We're, we're best friends. Well, anyway. Let, Mark, <laughs> don't even know Mark, you got it. You got a question for Drew? I mean, you know him so well. What is there well, anything yeah, you'd like we, to know about him that you don't? Yeah, well, I know Drew loves Slim Thug and hates dragons. I love Slim Thug. Houston but, rap music is hugely underrated. I agree. But tell us something we don't know about you, and we'll follow up with some questions of our own. Hmm. I've never had the hiccups. Really? You're joking. Ever? Never had them. I get them never, like ever every day. Em. God, I get them all the time. I hate them. They're the worst. You must, you You're must a lucky have a very, person. <laughs> you must have a very smooth digestive tract. Yeah, I must. heartburn. You get heartburn. They seem they seem annoying. I got heartburn. Yeah, yeah. Drew, the tums you were, about an hour ago. Drew, you were um you were a baseball player. What's the best baseball moment you've had as a player? Oh man, 
you know, this is going to get slightly deep already, and I called you out for getting too deep, but um, not to talk about high school sports, because I know a lot of your favorite play-by-play guys talk about their um, childhood. Little league careers? (laughs) Little league careers. Uh, A friend of ours and our catcher um, passed away when I was in high school. He died. Um, And our next game was in the state championship. Um, And he died the night before prom. And it was just super emotional and uh, came together with that team more than any other team I've ever been been with. And uh, that was it, man. It was like a whole nother level of shit because we uh, we were connected through the guy. So that was it. Did you guys win the state championship? No, we got too drunk the night before and lost. That sounds like sounds like a great idea. <laughs> great idea. Good I job. Would it take it I, seriously? I, I I took it seriously. Gotcha. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Good for you. Why don't you also tell us about your career at ESPN and what some of the big moments were, some of the interesting people you may have met or worked with during that time? Oh man. I I had some funny funny fun and good times there. Um <laughs> most of them <laughs> sitting next to me. <laughs> most of them sitting next to you. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Let's bring this back to the comedy section. The Some of the most interesting things I did were actually like you go to ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, fresh out of college, and you expect like the most amazing things. And I worked on Friday night fights um, and I worked in Bristol. So we had like a boxer that would come on set every Friday and part of my job as somebody who just started there is I had to go pick the boxer up at the hotel and drive him to Bristol. But the funniest part was I was so broke. I was making like $11 an hour or something like that. I bought a $700 car. It was a 1990 Toyota Camry with 300,000 miles on it. Uh, One of the windows didn't roll down and we lived in Connecticut where it was like 20 degrees. So I'd go pick up these boxers who were like, Fairly big time dudes. Who was the guy that was the executioner? Uh, can you Bernard, know what I'm talking about? Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins. And I'd pick up Bernard Hopkins, um, all these dudes in like this old ass car. And one of the funniest, and then like I would go out with them after the show, and it was just hilarious to be like this 23 year old white kid from Vashon Island and I'm like hanging out with these badass boxers <laughs> in Hartford, Connecticut in my shitty car and uh, they were massively underwhelmed by that. Um, <laughs> those were some of my like hilarious early memories but mm-hmm. I don't know man like as much as uh, as much as people hate to say like it was it was there were some pinch me moments like it was cool man i mm-hmm. worked big college bowl games that i grew up watching it was just awesome um producing the games that i was watching as a kid i mm-hmm. i loved i loved college baseball so working on the college world series like i remember being 10 years old and watching the omaha dog piles and stuff like that so i, I worked on the college world series for like 10 years and that to me i know there's some people that would 
love to work on Super Bowls and NBA finals and all that stuff. But to me, like the college world series was, uh, something that was my favorite event as a kid. So it was, it was pretty awesome doing that for so long. Most underrated awesome. sporting event in America, college world series. It, it is. I, I, it really I figured is. out, I figured out, I, I did Omaha for 10 years and I was there for almost a month every time. So like I spent more time in Omaha than like everywhere else in the country besides the, uh, four places I've lived. So I got yeah. a question and this is maybe applicable to both of you guys since you came up through ESPN. When you f- first started ESPN, do you, are you choosing like a track that you want to do, whether it's producing or directing and that there's some sort of like oh. hierarchy oh, no. of, of jobs or you're just that you do whatever. Oh yeah. no, no. No. In fact, if you go in and ask to do anything, the first thing any of them will tell you is what makes you think you should be doing that. So I learned early on to, if you're going to ask to do something, don't like handle it very delicately and professionally. Um, So I really never asked to do anything, but I never really had to. I mean, I was, I was, I mean, I was pretty good at what I did. Um, I did all the, you know, MLB, NBA, NFL. Um, but I, I learned like, I mean, you can, you can do that Mark, but I always learned that you have to do it very diplomatically mm-hmm. and very carefully. Yeah. Makes I have sense. two things. I have two things to say about that. One, I, I, I did get lucky. Um, when I, when I was still in college and I was merely working in Seattle as a, a runner, as it called, as it's called getting people coffee and driving people to the airport and all that. Um, I had a, I had a guy that helped me get my permanent job that said, whatever you do, if you're going to be a PA, be a PA in remote production, which is the one that travels around, sits in the TV trucks, don't be in studio production. And at the time I didn't even know the difference, but, uh, he was dead on with that. So I thoroughly enjoyed being in remote production compared to studio production. What's the, what's the advantage over remote production versus studio? Well, at the time, like ESPN started to cut back on a lot of the travel budgets and other budgets and stuff like that. But you get to, as a 23 year old single guy that lives in Connecticut, like you're going to Tampa, you're going to Vegas, you're going to San Diego, you're going to Seattle, you're, you're going to cool cities and you just get out of that, uh, corporate atmosphere. And it, for me, Mm -hmm. for me being a Mm -hmm. West coast kid that wanted nothing to do with Connecticut, it was the only way I would have survived there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. But to ca- not only that, I mean, there's, there's also, sorry, Drew, there's also um, ESPN studio shows are going like around the clock. I had a roommate that worked in studio when I first started out. He was actually a friend of mine from college. And like, you know, he, his days off were like Tuesday and Wednesday. And he was working till like 3 a.m. Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Oof. and Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. That would get old fast. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to do that, do it in like San Diego or Tampa or Chicago. Don't do it in Brazil. Right. Yeah. For me, that's <laughs> you know like saying? we started to, when we started doing horror films and we did a few kind of in the last batch, but you were going to work at 7 p.m. and you were getting off at 11 a.m. the oh, next yeah. day. And it was like right when Don't your it. body finally got like acclimated to the sleep schedule, then you were done shooting the movie. And then you had to go uh-huh, back yep. and you just, you hated yep. yourself. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Drew, moving yep. back to Drew, 
you grew up on Vashon Island. I grew up on Vashon Island. What did you love the most about growing up on Vashon? And what did you hate the most? Man, like my opinions on this have changed so much. Um, I guess we should tell our audience too, for anybody that doesn't know, Vashon is an island roughly the size of Manhattan. It's right off the coast of Seattle, the north end you take a ferry. It's only accessible by ferry boat. North end you take a ferry to Seattle, West Seattle really. Uh, south end goes to Tacoma. Um, but it only has 11,000 full-time residents roughly. Uh, with vacation homes, you're close to like 16,000, 17,000. But it's, you know, it's right next to Seattle, but it's pretty rural. Yeah, man, I think, um, I think I did. At the time, I didn't have the perspective to realize it was actually pretty unique to live on an island. So yeah. growing up there was brutal at the time because you're like, we can't go to a mall. We can't do things that like normal kids do. Um, we just hang out in the woods and start a bonfire. And at the time, yeah. I was thinking <laughs> like, this sucks. And in retrospect, I'm like, that's all I want to do. That's all now. I want to like, do I'm, now. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's hilarious. Like, everything hey. that I wanted to do at 16, I'm like, I was doing the right thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's funny. The other, the other thing I'll say is I hated that I knew everybody. Yeah. Like, you couldn't go anywhere without having 25 conversations about things. But one of the things I loved about ESPN when I got there is like, I could go places and nobody would, nobody would know me. Like it felt so, it felt amazing. But then like now when you're older, like you realize how cool it is to have a community and stuff like that. Like my parents both own businesses on Vashon and they like, my parents still like trade goods with people. (laughs) You know, like they're like, I'll do this. (laughs) I'm not joking. Like my mom recovered. Yeah. Yeah. Vashon's Vashon's big into the barter. For sure. My dad owns a winery and he'll like trade wine for a haircut or, or like yeah. a root canal at the dentist. I'm not even joking. Like True story. I think you could say that about all small towns. Um, once you're removed from them, you miss some of that. But when you live there, it can be annoying. Yeah. Very true. I actually felt the other way around about where I grew up. I was glad to get out of there. I, li- I enjoyed it more. I enjoyed it more when I was there. I'm glad to not be living there. Interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we did bonfires in the woods too. And I also grew up on an island. Yeah. Slightly bigger that? island, but yes. You're not alone. You're not alone. Huh. You're not alone. Well, before we get into football, Drew, is there anything else you want to tell us about yourself? And then we'll move into the show. No, I was hoping that Tamale would uh... suffice. <laughs> suffice, but <laughs> still no on the Tamale. Yeah, completely Totally over. All right. Well, let's get into our weekly roundup. Four teams fell this last weekend as another four move into the conference championships, which we'll get into shortly. Let's start with the losers, two of which seem to have the quarterback position in question for the 2021 season. We'll start with the Rams. After their loss to the pack, McVay wouldn't commit to Goff as the starter for next season. Drew. Does Jared stay in LA or does he finally learn that the sun also sets in the West in a city that's not called Los Angeles? I was thinking that um, maybe him being on the East coast would be some sort of aha moment where he like looked out and saw the sun not setting. 
And then like everything else clicked in place, you know, figured out how the solar system worked. And all of a sudden he's seeing like <laughs> open receivers. <laughs> uh, maybe it would help him. I don't know. He would, he would, maybe, he would beautiful mind or something. Yeah, exactly. Like everything <laughs> pops into place for him, like gets gravity and all that kind of thing. Right. Um, but I, I looked up his contract today. He's, he's guaranteed $21 million and then $15 million. Um, I think they could move on from him after this year, possibly. But I don't know. It's it's a weird time to be a Rams fan because you don't really have a, a great quarterback. You don't even know if you have a good quarterback. You just lost your defensive coordinator. Um, they obviously have two stars on the defense and, and several other pretty good pieces, but they don't have the cap space to improve. Um, so – I don't know. They're in a weird place. I think they, they have to try and get something out of golf. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I was thinking about this because I was watching highlights earlier. Like, is Andrew Wentworth older than half the head coaches in the NFL now? Probably. Yeah, probably. That looks like Ken. lucky him you know what i i you know what it's funny drew you say that think about it they have an offensive head coach and they really are starting to become a defensive team kind of like the ravens when they had brian billick and won a super bowl with a with a defense that was suffocating um but i i i um I don't know, man. Like I was reading up on the salary stuff too. They said it's not completely out of the realm of possibility for them to trade him. It'd be like 22 million in dead money, but it'll save them 12.4 million next season and 67 million between 22 and 24. Honestly, has he hit his ceiling? I mean, he was great two years ago, but how many coach, how many other quarterbacks are there in the league that have gone to a Super Bowl? Not many, not many, you know, I mean, where's he going to go? Yeah, where is he going to go and where where are they going to go in terms of replacing him is, you know, the question. Somebody's going to have to think. Somebody's going to have to think that they're going to be able to fix him when Sean McVay couldn't. Now, Sean McVay is considered a offensive genius, if you will, quote unquote. Perhaps, perhaps not. But he's a very good offensive coach, apparently. If he can't fix him, I don't know who can. Maybe he goes to the Saints and Peyton. Yeah, and the Saints can't—the yeah. Saints can't take on that salary. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I—I I just don't know who would want him. Here, here's because you have other real options. quick though about about golf. There was one thing I, I looked up. Okay, um, th- something I—I I, I think with him it's all mental. Um, frankly, and when when he, I think he feels that McVeigh loses confidence in him, and he loses confidence in himself. Now. As you know, teams are going to script the first 20, maybe 8 to 20 plays of every game. Why? To see how the defense reacts and looks in situations, see what they have game plan, show certain mm-hmm. looks of the defense that they can key on. Okay, so now at, as the game goes on, the offense can run plays that look the, start the same but finish differently, right? But it also gets your quarterback in a rhythm, okay, because now he's practicing these plays – He's practicing all these plays against all these different defensive looks. Okay. Now here's some, t- some statistics for you. I happened upon today. The first 10 pass attempts of the game, Jared Goff has a 73% completion percentage threw for 1183, 1183 yards, four TD 
three INT, 96.6 QB rating. All right, so now you're looking at probably within that, you know, first all those play, most of those, many of those plays are scripted, right? Now on his attempts, 11 through 20, 59%, 855, three TD, five INT, 68 quarterback rating, 68.1. So Mm -hmm. if you're looking for frustration from the coach, maybe it's that he's just not grasping how to take that next step in his progression as a quarterback and make the adjustments himself on the field. I'm sure if we looked at Tom Brady and Drew Brees' numbers historically in that, in that respect, they're probably going to be very similar, maybe a little bit less because now you're, make, you're having to make those adjustments. But it seems to me like maybe that's what's pissing Sean McVay off or kind of driving him nuts. He's just not taking the next step in his progression as he should. It's funny as a Seahawks fan, and Mark, you probably agree with this, I bet you Russell Wilson's numbers are completely opposite of that because he's terrible usually in the first – quarter when things are drawn up and then in the fourth quarter in the third quarter uh when he's just improvising he's great so uh, Mm -hmm. yeah he doesn't have he doesn't have those improvisational skills that uh, but you know i'll tell you what though he held up pretty well held up pretty well sunday yeah didn't do didn't play awful yeah he was he was okay but that's kind of like Mm -hmm. how he he's always just kind of like "Eh, you're okay I mean, he's just – he's never a person that I feel afraid of. Well, he didn't play as bad as we thought he would, and he didn't turn the ball over. Um, and also, they got behind quick. Also, his name is, his name is Jared Thomas Goff. <laughs> Don't you think J, J.T. Goff sounds better than Jared? Oh, yeah, J.T. Goff. I'd rather go with J.T. Goff. Yeah. J.T. Goff. I like that yeah. idea. It's J.T. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Breeze is undecided whether or not he's going to retire despite taking an L in Sunday night's geriatric bowl, but he signed a two-year contract worth $50 million to keep him under center through the 2021 season. As we briefly discussed, Saints will also have a serious salary cap crisis next year. If the NFL resets it to $175 million, they'll be $91 million over the threshold. Whoa. Ken... Can New Orleans even afford to keep Breeze, or is it time to discuss his assisted living options? Uh, well, yeah. Well, a couple of things. First of all, they're going to need to weigh the, um, you know, they're going to have to weigh how, how much is it worth it for us to be $91 million over the threshold. Yeah. And win. And win. Um, you know, especially in the time of COVID with no fans, you know, you're yeah. losing out on all that revenue, right? Um, but from just a football perspective, you know, it's funny. I, I, I just didn't feel like Breeze was 100% invested this year in the team. Like, I feel, felt like he was kind of like walking in the, you know, like, like I, I think I texted you guys this the other day because I had just watched The Karate Kid, like, because I love watching movies on TV with commercials, Drew. But there's a scene he says to, he says to Machio, he's like, He's like, you either do it or you don't. If you walk in the middle, it's not going to work out. If, if you, you know, do it half-ass, it's not going to work out for you. And honestly, signing that deal with NBC kind of shows you, like, he's kind of got one foot out the door. Now, the guy's been mm-hmm. great. He's meant the wor- – he's meant – him and Sean Payton have meant everything to the city of New Orleans. Not, not just the team and the franchise, the city. Yeah. But – you know, like, I just felt like he wasn't completely invested. Now, his physical attributes aren't quite what they were either. But here's well, the thing. And, and we have to remember, 
he was basically Mr. Glass this year. Yes, the guy, he was. The guy Glass. came back from punctured lung and how, how many fractured ribs? Eleven. Eleven. Oh. But here's the yeah. thing, though. You had you you know I when I I worked with John Gruden many years ago when he first started out in TV, and he would always say quarterbacks have to be a CEO of your franchise. You hold the fate of the franchise in your hands every single play. So where do you go from having I don't know one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time who's thrown for eighty thousand yards, who's like completely and totally turned around your franchise, like. There are kids that have grown up now that don't know that the Saints were horrible, horrible, right? right? How, where, how do you replace this guy? Like, where do you go? What yeah. do you do? I, I think that they're in too much salary cap hell to do much. Like, I, I can't see them. It feels like a Jameis year next year or mm-hmm. sign Cam mm-hmm. Newton as his backup. Mm-hmm. Um, get Taysom Hill involved. It just feels like a transitional year for them next year. Mm-hmm. I don't know the I don't know the specifics of that contract, but I'm pretty sure that they can the Saints can get out of that without taking on some sort of big hit if they if Breeze retires, mm-hmm. which he's retiring. Like the, you saw the shots of him leaving the yep. field. He's like looking over his shoulder. Everybody saw that video of him hugging Tom Brady and playing with his kids mm-hmm. like Breeze is, in my opinion, Breeze is, is over. Mm-hmm. Um, he really wants to cement his legacy. He'll announce his retirement uh, like two hours before this Rogers Brady showdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the all the talk shows will talk about it beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think he's done. I feel like next year is a transition year. But this actually, uh, not to pivot too much, but I came up with like where I would like to see all these quarterbacks end up next year. You guys want to hear my list? Yeah. Good to sure. us. Okay. I was just about to talk about that. The Falcons have got to figure out a way to get Deshaun Watson. I think he'd be, I think he'd be really good there. Yeah. Um, Matthew Stafford returns to his Texas roots, becomes the Texans quarterback. Carson Wentz reunites with his offensive coordinator in Indianapolis resurrects his career there. Matt Ryan ends up with the 49ers. Uh, mm. Can do more than Jimmy Garoppolo right now. Reunites with his offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Jimmy G, Bilicek, loves yeah, him. Yeah, he loves him. Comes back to the Patriots. And then you guys won't guess my last one. Gardner Minshew ends up in the city where he should be, Detroit. There you go. <laughs> he looks like he's going to a Kiss concert in 1978. Exactly. He's got to be a Detroit Lion. I like you know, these picks. I'm into it. What about I Stafford? Have no idea, I have no idea the plausi- I have no idea the plausibility <laughs> of any of these things yeah. happening, but I w- this was more of a best case scenario for franchise and quarterback. As a football fan, I would be so all I would be all for it. I think it would make for an interesting season, for sure. I'd be yeah. for D- Stafford. I I think Stafford to the Saints. If that could, if they could find a way for that That's, to happen. You know, that, that would be interesting, man. And he's not. Look, people can come down on Stafford all they want. I mean, let's be real. The Lions are a bad franchise who have let him down. Um, yeah. But like Stafford's good, man. I would love to see like him with like Sean Payton, 
see what yeah, it can do. That would be you know? fun. Well, this yeah. is a perfect transition then to move into the coaching carousel, which has been spinning at light speed. And five of the six teams that were actively looking for new head coaches have either agreed to terms with one or are expected to shortly. Oh, so, hold on, Mark. I thought we were going to change this to the coaching and another type of carnival ride. Like the culture, it goes, coaching it goes in circles, goes in circles. The coaching, oh, Ferris tilt wheel. the coaching teacup. The coaching the Ferris coaching wheel. <laughs> yeah. This year has been more of a coaching teacup. Yeah. yeah. Or the, a little or the bit. teacups. Ugh, yeah. I hate the teacups. Me too. Scrambler. Yeah. Well, it, Gravitron. It, Regardless, it's time to exercise our right as casual football fans to judge these organizations' new hires with letter grades. And we're going to start with the Los Angeles Chargers. Anthony Lynn, replaced by Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. Drew, will you make him the first Brandon in history to receive a grade higher than C+. (laughs) Hey, man, I came up with some Brandons that we can all appreciate. Uh, Brandon Jacobs, Ken, that's for you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I forgot yeah, about you. say about him. He, worst, he was worst a, short yardage runner over – that I was 6'4", 275 pounds in the history. That was so weird. Ball. It was like just fall forward, dude. You're a yeah. massive man. Exactly. Terrible. Uh, Brandon Roy, my all-time favorite college basketball player back that's when right. I actually watched yeah. college basketball. Yeah. Injuries uh, halted his career with the, with the tra- Trailblazers, right? One of my favorite Seahawks all time, Brandon Meebane. Oh, yeah. Belly roll. Your bane. Your bane. Belly roll. And Ken's favorite longhorn of all time, Brandon Belt. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he mine? Uh, I don't know. Okay. But it, because you're, because uh, you're yeah. wearing a Brandon Belt hat and vest. That's right. <laughs> I'm wearing a Brandon Belt. You guys should know this. Ken is wearing a Brandon Belt hat and vest right now, trying to Every frame day. Yeah, absolutely. That's the last. Of, that's the last of my list for the podcast. Um, <laughs> in all honesty, you love you love top tens. I that's your favorite top, sports center. You segment. know, whenever whenever anybody says they like lists, it always reminds me of. Uh, did you ever watch that HBO show with the guy? Um, you have to be more specific. Small, <laughs> the small person that played like one of the Ewoks in Star Wars, and I'm totally no. forgetting. Wait, wait, the one about tattoo from Fantasy Island, that one? No, 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 not the documentary. That was, great, that was a great movie. No, it's it's like God, it was something short. It, it, it's the guy Very that was short. in a. What is it? it's not Willard. Willard is the guy about rats, but what's yeah. the Willow? What's the movie? The fantasy movie with the midget and Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Willow, yeah. yeah. Willow, yeah. yeah. The guy that played Willow, Warwick Davis, right? Uh-huh. He had this show on HBO, which was like a mockumentary, you know, fictional version of his life, but he plays himself. And the very first episode is amazing. He goes uh, to Ricky Gervais's office and Liam Neeson shows up out of the blue and has decided that he wanted to start doing comedy. So he wants to run some sketches by... Uh, by Ricky and Steven Virgin. And I can't remember why he says it, but um, something about lists comes up and, and Liam goes, you know, I love lists. I'm, I'm always making lists. And Ricky goes, <laughs> yeah, is that why you did Schindler's list? And he goes, what are you talking about? 
And it's just amazing. Okay. But, that was a good ending. I was trying to remember what this had to do with Brandon's. Yeah. But now I, for, I forgot about the list thing. That's good. All right. All right. I'm watch We've got a, the Wait, Falcons. Hold oh, hold, hold on. We're not even close to done with Brandon's yet. <laughs> you just told me we Brandon were done with Brandon's. <laughs> No, I wanted to. You're just about done that. with the list part of Brandon. Oh yeah, we we gotta actually talk about what you think about. Yes, I have a real take. Okay, I I do think it's interesting, and Ken I believe has brought this up. This like boy genius phenomenon. Um, we've got Sean McVay, who's 34 years old. Zach Taylor's 37. Brandon Staley's 38. New Falcons coach Arthur Smith is 38. Kevin Stefanski's 38. Joe Judge is 39. If you look at the last uh, eight Super Bowl winning coaches, they're in their 50s and 60s. The last one that was in his 30s is Mike Tomlin, and I don't really see any of these guys as some sort of Mike Tomlin protege. But he was also taken over for a veteran team that had a veteran coach. For sure. So I actually – I just – Tomlin. I feel like Ken has a take on this. I just I'm I'm curious about so this who's new like years old and named Arthur. Who how's that possible? Ah, I'll get into that momentarily, my friend. Okay. <laughs> um I will say, Drew, you're right though. Um experience has something to do with it, man. Like that's the thing. They're not I think that what's come out a lot this year uh listening to talk shows and listening to I don't know. I don't even listen to Sports Center or any of ESPN anymore. But um, you know, listening to sports talk radio, just reading things online, watching pregame shows. Teams are looking for leadership. Like Adam Gase had no leadership skills whatsoever. That's why Robert Sala got that job because people like working for him. And it's like when we were at ESPN, Drew. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure everybody kind of liked working for me and you and, and for all of everyone on our team, like the people that we were had a team there and we put in place and like it, we felt like it was frowned upon that people liked coming to work every day and were excited to do their job and energetic and like wanted to do the best that they could. And now all of a sudden, like everybody's praising like Robert Sala's leadership skills. You can't hire somebody to like, I was just saying, like Bill, Bill Gates, uh, you, you, like the Saints have to replace Bill Gates with somebody who's completely and totally not Bill Gates, like a CEO type, right? right? You can't just hire boy wonder and boy genius wonder and have them show up and be like, all right, this is going to be the offense, this is going to be the defense. They, you have to be able to handle people. You have to have actual leadership skills. And I think you're right, man. Like those older coaches kind of learn that. Over time. I mean, I, I I looked at the last 10 Super Bowl winners, and it's Andy Reid, 62, Bill Belichick, 67, mm-hmm. Doug Peterson, 50, who is the youngest one, Gary Kubiak, which that's uh, kind of a throw it out there, but he was 56, Pete Carroll, 62. I mean, John Harbaugh, who I, I was surprised is actually 58 years old. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he was younger than that. And then your guy, Tom Coughlin, 65, yeah. like. It's, it's just interesting to me that this coaching Ferris wheel has been all people under the age of 40. Yeah, but here, think about this too. You're in the league. Let's say you start coaching in the NFL. 
um, and you're in the league for, for 10, 12, 15, 20 years, think about the network that you've built and the amount, like, I feel like Urban Myers kind of like can't find anybody to be on his staff because he doesn't know anybody. Right. Whereas He's like pulling from college. I think, yeah. Now. Whereas, yeah. you know, Doug, Doug Peterson worked for the, I mean, maybe the, the, honestly, other than Bill Walsh, you could, and Andy Reid's kind of part of the Bill Walsh tree. Like Andy Reid's coaching tree is phenomenal. I was just reading something about it before our call. And it's like, Andy, like teaches them, here's what I want. Here's how hard I want you to work now go do it your way. But I'm, you know, like, but I'm here and this is how everything needs to be done. And he teaches you kind of like how to be, how to take that next step in your career. And they all, he has like this huge network to choose from where I think a lot in a lot of these cases, some of these younger coaches, they don't really quite have the network and the network that they have is so new to the league that they really don't have enough experience. And now they're hiring guys with very limited leadership skills as well. And -hmm. I think that's where they may run into some of the issues. Now I could be dead wrong on that, but I mean, it kind of makes sense. Doug Peterson is going to be able to find a hell of a lot, you know, more assistant coaches that are quality then maybe Brandon Staley might. I don't know. That's a good point. So where are you guys landing on letter grades then, Drew, for this one? Oh, on the higher? Yeah. Staley fit with the Rams. F to A plus. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is like grading, grading a draft before the players ever played. <laughs> no idea. Uh, I read a little bit about him. He seems like. I'll give it a I'll give it a B minus. I'm going higher than the C plus. B minus. Ken. I'll go with a B higher. You know why? Because a lot of times defensive coaches that have a great quarterback, that's the best situation to be in. Because yeah. your offensive coordinator can just take that guy and coach him up and uh take care of that side of the ball. He can help out with the defense and then manage the overall operation. I was a B minus yeah. student, by the way, and I feel like I turned out okay, so maybe it's not that bad. <laughs> All right. Well, as Drew said, the Falcons also poach Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith as their new head coach. Ken, would you rate this Arthur as high as you rate the hit PBS animated series Arthur? I would actually rate it higher, considering I am the one who, on this call right now, on this podcast right now, who's probably watched Arthur the most. Um, <laughs> I would actually say yes. Now, here's here's a here's a uh, juicy nugget I got for you. Everyone has heard that story about the Harvard student who submitted as a class project or as his final grade a business proposal for a company to a Harvard business professor, and he was told this will never work. And he, I don't know, maybe he failed, maybe he didn't. Well, has ever if you guys ever hear that story? about the guy who presented FedEx to a Harvard business professor. And he's like, this will never work. It's awful. Well, that guy is Arthur Smith's father. Yeah. That is Arthur Smith's father invented FedEx. So, wow. yeah, he also played drew ironically enough, uh, drew. I don't know if this is ironic or not. I, I don't think it's ironic. I don't know. Maybe. Let's ask drew, it. Yes. There you go. I'll ask my research team. He also played at North Carolina for Mac Brown. Now uh, hmm. back your first time now um i think it's, i actually <laughs> i do the singing around here pal um i <laughs> i actually think this is a great hire a great hire um first of all it, it like 
the company I work for right now, our CEO's dad was a CEO of a major corporation. And you can tell that he inherited those skills. So he's got, obviously he's inherited, he has inherited leadership skills. Now, yes, maybe he's a younger guy, but look what he did for the offense in Tennessee. Um, great running game, play action pass, you know, took Ryan Tannehill from the depths, from the pit of despair in uh, Princess Bride and brought him back from the dead. Brian, you know, you take Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback, most teams. Um, and from what he, what he said, he's he, like Matt Ryan wasn't on the field when the defense gave up all those points. Matt Ryan's still pretty good. You can win with Matt Ryan. You may be able to go to a Super Bowl with him. Maybe it'll click. I, I think I'm going to give that higher A minus. For Ooh, I, the only for reason saying. I would the only reason I wouldn't go as high, and I think some people would hold it against him that his dad is worth two point seven billion dollars. <laughs> um, but Ken's right. I I do think there's there are some traits that probably trickle down that are um, are helpful, and I I don't think you get a head coaching job in the NFL just because who your dad is. Like people no. don't care about that. Um, my biggest problem isn't isn't much of a statistical take. He just some people look like they're going to be good coaches, and like I don't know, I look at his face and he just doesn't look like. <laughs> <laughs> this is the analysis we're looking for. You don't get yes. this on any other podcast. I'm sorry yes. if you're listening to this. Google Arthur Smith and tell me if his face looks like he's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, so what are you giving grade wise then drew c plus c plus just on his face b plus oh, god god you're dead wrong dead wrong c, b plus if he looked like dan campbell yeah, who's <laughs> name arthur anymore i know that's what i was saying Who, how do you find a 38 year old named arthur arthur yeah uh, the, uh, the owner's name is arthur yeah <laughs> there you go. that's true <laughs> but he's not 38 exactly yeah. and he looks like the monopoly man that's too funny. No, Arthur Blank? A Monopoly man? Oh, like some sort of baron of some sort. <laughs> he looks like somebody some, that likes to have like, land. He looks like Baron Trump. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, last day for Trump today, huh? I know. It's gonna be it's gonna be a new day tomorrow. Oh, uh, totally. Moving on to Dan Campbell. Let's say, isn't yeah. that our next point so, here? <laughs> sources indicate the Lions are expected to tap New Orleans assistant head coach Dan Campbell, as Ken said, for the head job in Detroit. Drew, what's the title of his future biopic? Dan Does Detroit or Detroit Does Dan? <laughs> Dan Campbell looks like he looks like a guy that would be uh, one of those government contracted like in one of those government contracted killing units that doesn't have to abide by government laws <laughs> there are no laws him and ryan reynolds and the invisible six or whatever technically work for the government yeah. delta yeah. force yeah if it was a movie he wouldn't be the main guy but he'd be like sitting in the chopper somewhere yeah the <laughs> i don't yes, know it seems like we a, would it seems like a weird hire but um I was going to ask Ken, uh, I know you've worked with Chris Spielman before. I have not. I've heard amazing things. Mm -hmm. He was on the hiring committee. Um, the fact that I've heard good things about Chris Spielman makes me think maybe this is a under the radar hire, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know the guy. Well, I, Chris is, uh, 
one of the best, uh, without a doubt, one of the best people I worked with in that time there. Uh, knows football inside and out. His dad was a head coach. Chris was on the cover of the a cover of Wheaties of Wheaties box in high school. Did you guys know wow. that? No. Um, I think he was the first high school athlete to be on the cover. Um, anyway, I I uh, I think this is one of those leadership hires. I think it's a culture change hire. Matt Patricia was horrible. It didn't build a very build a very good culture there. They seemed like they were a mess every week. Um, he just really didn't seem to know what he was doing. Like Dan Campbell's worked for one of the best coaches in NFL history, Sean Payton, the last few years. Um, and he does look like the guy like that <laughs> that's in the chopper. <laughs> he does. Now, um, I think it's actually a pretty good hire, um, to be honest with you. Like, like we were saying, you, you could have a leadership hire or you could hire boy genius. Now, my only other Dan Campbell story um, is that uh, Dan played for the Giants, and he played for the Giants when Sean Payton was the offensive coordinator. They lost to the Ravens in the Super Bowl that one year. Kerry Collins, um, Jesse Armstead, Michael Strahan. And the night before the game, I had a dream that Dan Campbell scored the first touchdown in the game, and I had no way to put money down on it. And it's a good thing I didn't because it did not happen. So that's my Dan Campbell story. Hmm. I'll say I'll give it a B minus. B minus, Drew. Ken, what year was that? Two thousand. Which Super Bowl was that? Two thousand. It's amazing. Ravens. It's amazing because I just looked up Dan Campbell's stats. So that would have been quite the foresight because he had um, eight catches for forty-six yards yeah. that entire season. It's one of those like you know like how the fuck did he score the touch? I'm like Chris Matthews in the Chris Matthews for the Seahawks that year had like eight thousand yards in the Super Bowl and never caught another pass. Hardball. Yeah. Drew, what's your letter grade on the Campbell? In in honesty, I think he needs to make some very good um, coordinator hires because, like we said, I think he brings the leadership and all that stuff. I, do, I know he hasn't been a play caller before, um, but I, I, I think Ken's right. I think they need some leadership. I'm going, I'm going B on Dan Campbell. Solid B. Oh, dude. Just all right. outgra- outgraded me to be a dick. He was also huh? on, he's also, <laughs> he's also been on the, uh, he was on the O and 16 lions team as well. Well, didn't, wasn't he the head coach? Like, wasn't he the interim coach of the Dolphins one year? Like, yeah. and he like yeah, won he a was. bunch of games down the stretch and his name was being thrown around for a potential coaching hire. And then all of a sudden he disappeared because actually, you know, what? I'm giving Adam it, Gase instead. I'm giving it an A just so Dan Campbell doesn't come and murder me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dan, you got an A. Just remember that. Um. Ken. Jacksonville was more desperate than your Bumble profile in their courtship of Urban Meyer, but can he succeed in the NFL? God, I'm so desperate, man. It's crazy. <laughs> but I didn't do Bumble. I did no Match.com. And I, I did I, – years ago, I did Match.com. I've done Zeusk. And I, I am the – I am just the ta- a, a, a very nice target for mediocre-looking women over 40. I had to stop. So, but anyway, um, 
in case anyone doesn't know what I look like for the 10 people listening, I'm not the greatest looking man in the world. <laughs> but he looks, like, right. he looks like Andrew Wentworth, the left tackle. Yeah, for the yeah, 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 yeah. When I had hair, it was phenomenal, though. Anyway, so um, anyway, uh, well, l- let me throw I'll go back a little bit. I, as uh, I may have told you guys before, Drew knows I actually produced Urban Meyer's first game at ESPN. Really? Yeah. So wow. um, we, it, was, it was very interesting. In 2011, I did the Texas spring game. A couple months later, I got the job at Longhorn Network, and, and then Drew and I uh, moved down here. But um, our booth for that game was Joe Tessitore, Chris Spielman, and Urban Meyer. Um, a couple of good, good stories I could probably tell you off the air, not, not necessarily about Urban, but just some – uh, meetings that I was in that weekend uh, that were very interesting. Um, but um, he was great. He was great. Uh, good sense of humor. Loves Seinfeld. He said the only two things he watched on TV were Seinfeld and um, SportsCenter. And I'm sure <laughs> now it's just Seinfeld because SportsCenter sucks. But um, <laughs> now he was great, though. And he picked it up really quickly. Mm-hmm. And he was really easy to work with. And very appreciative of everything, like thanking me profusely after the game, you know, like Chris Spielman's busting my balls, telling me I need to lose weight, things like that. Um, but he was really good. And if you guys watch Fox Noon, Fox Big Noon kickoff this year, his analysis, his what he was doing and the analysis points he was making on there, it made college game day just look like a JV show from that perspective. Not saying the production was bad. I'm just saying from an analysis perspective, the guy knows football inside and out. And you know what? After all those years of college football coaches not succeeding in the NFL, I think they're kind of caught on. You know, the the whole like you got to talk to grown men thing. It's ridiculous. Everybody's a grown man. You shouldn't know how to talk to grown men. You should be talking to college students as grown men, too. Um, You know, like I've met Saban. And I heard some, some crazy things today about like, Saban, like players wanted to fight Saban, but I've met Saban. He's one of the three people I've met in my life that didn't look me in the eye when I shook, when he shook my hand. Um, and I'm sure he's very, you know, he's a tough, can be a tough nut to crack. And maybe he was a little rigid, but I, I can absolutely see Urban working out and him being just very flexible with, with things and with players. Um, his coaching acumen is unbelievable. He's won everywhere. I think he's going to adjust. I I actually think the only thing that's going to get in his way is him maybe realizing six months in or a year in that maybe he shouldn't have come back. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I think this is, um, uh, I think it's a great hire to be honest with you. Great. What do you think grade wise? I'm going to give it an A. Won't go an A plus, but I'm going to go an A. Yeah. All right, Drew. I don't think it's – I don't know if it's the winning argument, but you can make the argument that Urban Meyer's the best college coach of all time. The fact that he took three separate programs and made them national championship contenders is pretty amazing. I know, I know Saban's done it at two, and he had some success at Michigan State, but what he did at Utah, what he did at Florida – um, Bowling Green. Probably, don't forget Bowling Green, and man. Bowling Green and Ohio State. Like he, mm-hmm. he is, he is – and to – to piggyback on what Ken said, what he did the best on Big Noon Kickoff is he can make complicated things seem very simple, which translates 
to a locker room when you can make these concepts and he can describe it in, in very simple terms and you understand it in like two minutes and people aren't very good at that in TV. And I'm sure not in NFL locker rooms, which I've not been in, but um, he can do that. And, and I think that's a very underrated thing about a coach is just clearing people's mind and making their jobs simple. And he, Mm -hmm. he can do that. Um, The only thing I'll say is this will be the first time, at least if, when he was at Florida and Ohio state where the teams he's playing have equal or better talent than him most of the time that, that, that he's playing them. So I think it'll be interesting. Um, he has the most cap space in the NFL and he has a general generational talent at quarterback. Um, so I'm super interested in it. Yeah, I, me too. It's, it's the best hire of anybody. I don't know yep. how, I don't think you can argue with that in my opinion. Uh, super interested in it. I think I think he's a phenomenal coach. I think it's a good hire. I think so too. And I I also feel like though it hasn't gotten enough. I don't know for some reason. Maybe yeah, it's just me. I feel like it's hasn't gotten enough attention. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Like it's very strange. It's almost like people are like, yeah, whatever. Not going to work. It's a you know, I don't know. It's very very. I odd, think it would have gotten I, more attention if this hire was like right after the Super Bowl or something. I think when you're in the middle of the NFL playoffs and we're all consumed by everything else. Yeah, I think it's the Jacksonville thing too. If, yeah. if, um, if he had gone to the giants or even the Browns or a team that the media latches onto more, like, I don't know, the, the, the Jaguars thing I think has something to do with that. Yeah. But also think about this though. I mean, it also gives him an opportunity to kind of, he, he can kind of, he can kind of take a year or two to figure it out. Like if they're improving, if you see improvement with a coach, like maybe your first year you're three and 13, but they're playing hard at the end of the year. Maybe the next year you guys are six and 10, but you kind of see the improvement. Um, I think he has that luxury because he's urban Meyer and it's Jacksonville. So it's not like it's going to be a complete nightmare if they go three and 13 this year. Um, but also here's a good point, man. You trade that pick for Deshaun Watson. If you have all that cap space. Known commodity, almost for five thousand yards on a four and twelve team. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to say you do, but then I, when I look at Urban Meyer and I look at Trevor, I, I don't know. I think that's like his kind of guy. Mm-hmm. They'll roll the dice on that and then take that, you know, team to wherever they can take it. Mm-hmm. And if you can have him on a rookie contract and spend all that money on some other pieces. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If Trevor Lawrence is 70% of what Deshaun Watson is, but then you have some, some mm-hmm. playmakers surrounding him. I don't I, I can't, I don't see them trading that pick. Yeah. I yeah. don't think so either. Well, I don't think he would have taken the too. job. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala just inked a five-year contract as head coach of the New York Jets. Drew, how relieved are you to have Sala out of the NFC West? Like I've said, it's 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 easy to judge coaching hires when uh, the team that you root for is in the division that the coach leaves. Um, I'm thrilled that he's not in the NFC West. Uh, between the Rams losing their defensive coordinator and now the 49ers losing their defensive coordinator. Uh, 
for instance, when Jeff Fisher left the Rams, I was devastated. Um, <laughs> wanted him in the division. Super Forever. happy to see uh, Sala go. Like, his players seem to like him. He overcame a ton this year with injuries. Still was one of the best best defenses in the NFL. Um, you know, kind of to uh, uh, a counterpoint, or, or, or on the same point that you had about Arthur Smith, I think Salah is the opposite of it. He's for a sure. that he's too looks, good looking. looks he's like too, he's good. He, he's too good looking almost, though. Like how many good looking coaches are good football coaches? Yeah. When's the last good looking coach that's won a Super Bowl? Mike Tomlin's a good looking guy. Yeah. Also interesting. <laughs> you guys don't want to turn this into a good looking guys <laughs> yeah. podcast? Let's talk about yeah, let's come up with our top Handsomest five cutest coaches, coaches in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. I, I another interesting thing too about Salah is he's the first uh, Muslim American head mm-hmm. coach in the NFL ever. Yep. Yep. Which is pretty cool. His brother was working in one I think his brother worked in one of the in the World Trade Center during 9/11. Really? Something like that. Jesus. Something along those lines. Yeah, like his brother worked there and Robert was going to work there. Um I read something about it. I probably should have read it in a little more detail, but um yeah, he has that connection and I guess this is kind of, I, from what I read, this is the job he wanted. Like he wanted New York. He wanted the um, challenge. He wanted it, man, but honestly, this is like other than Hiring Parcells, this is like the best Jets hire uh, yeah. since probably since Parcells. It really is. Like, just at first glance, like when they first make the hire, probably the best one. Probably the best yeah. one. And, and when you hear things like the players love playing for them, that says a lot, man. I mean, obviously the Jets, like, like I said, they hired somebody with no leadership skills. They hired boy genius coordinator instead of somebody – who people I can have a conversation with anybody. So this is, I, I, I'm, you know, I think jet fans are really happy about it. Yeah. Really happy about it. And they should be. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good fit. So if you guys are giving letter grades, these both A's get an A plus. A I'll give it an A. I'll give it an A. All right. A. Now one follow up on that. If now that we know that Saul is the head coach, what do you think happens quarterback situation here? Drew, you said earlier, who, who did you say was going to the Jets on your list? No one. Uh, I, nobody. I think they're going to take uh, Fields. Fields. I, I think, I think uh, it's going to be Deshaun Watson or Sam Darnold. Or Darnold. I think they should keep Darnold. Yeah. I think they, if you don't, can't get Deshaun Watson, just keep Darnold and build around him. Because I think Darnold I, – I mean, the guy, last year he had mono. He came back, and the Jets, what were they like? Seven and two last year, the year before down the stretch, yeah. something like that. They still won seven games. Yeah. And they do have two first round picks. So <clears throat> be interesting if they grab like Sewell with that first, with that yeah. first pick. And then uh, they, trade they, actually have, they have already, yeah, they could trade out of it too. I love Sewell. This is like the eighth time you've mentioned the Oregon offensive lineman on this podcast. He's the, he's the best what offensive you, lineman on the. What do you know about this guy that nobody else does? I'm hey man, I'm a Seahawks fan. I like offensive linemen because we don't have any <laughs> from the northeast, <laughs> from the northwest. Sorry. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's move into our chalk talk. This weekend will crown two new conference champions and set the stage for the Super Spreader Ball, which will be held in Tampa Bay this year. Bay and Pigs. 
Speaking of Tampa Bay, the Bucks will face the Packers this Sunday at Lambeau Field in what is sure to be a thrilling battle of the Bays for the NFC Championship. But no Super Bowl host has ever made it to the final game. Will Brady break the curse, or will Rodgers make the Bucks walk the plank? Ken. <laughs> yes. Uh, I got a message from my good friend, Admiral Fitzroy, who's a big Bucks and Raiders fan this week. And he liked Tampa Bay a lot. Um, I'll Wait, tell you he what, only man. Like, does he only like them because they're pirates? Yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah, hey, you, don't know the, you don't know the Admiral like I do. Oh, let um, me call me <laughs> real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, honestly, I, I thought about this game quite a bit before we came. Uh, we started recording today. Now, the Bucks have the best run defense in the league, six in yards, eighth in points allowed. They also get Vita Vea back. Um, now, as how limited he's going to be or how effective he's going to be remains to be seen. So that is only going to help their run game. Okay. Now, the Bucks have also been running the ball a lot better of late. Lenny, Fournette, and Ronald Jones ran had 30 rushes for 127 yards on Sunday. Okay. So I think the team – that runs the ball best is going to win this game. And um, as no matter how pass pass defense doesn't mean anything in this game, you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, it's going to be hard to stop Brady. It's going to be hard to stop Rogers. This is Brady's 14th championship game. But I've also learned that you should never bet against Tom Brady. Um, and I, I think the Bucs are going to win the game. And I think the Bucs are going to do it. I think they're going to play in their own stadium. This is a really strange year um, for everything. I mean, the, it was almost we almost had a Bills-Browns AFC championship game. You know how yeah. close we were that? Yeah. Like the two teams that are known for futility in the history of the last you know, league in the last 20 years almost were playing the AFC championship game. I think the Bill. I think the Bucks are playing great right now. I think Devin White and Levante David are going to shut them down, and I think they're going to win, man. I think they're going to do it. I like it, Drew. I'll say this: uh, you guys were all over the box last week, and I was not, and I regret it. I'm no longer going against Tom Brady and his whatever magic that he sums up every week. Um. I put in my notes, Vita Vea is back. Ken already mentioned that. I do think the Packers could still win this game. I'm not willing to say that um, the Bucs are definitely going to win, like like Ken said. Um, but I'm taking the Bucs on the spread. I think – Spread uh, is three and a half, by the way. For, yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a field goal game. And a field goal game means uh, the Bucs are going to cover. So, not going against Brady any longer, which means the Packers are probably going to win. But I'm going Bucks, and we've also got an over under of 51. Ken, oh, I think the over is going to come in. I think it's definitely going to come over. I think the Bucks are going to win. I I think the best bet in this game is Bucks money line. But I'm going to. I just want to say this, and I, I think I I may have texted you guys this the other day. Take your take the history out of it again. Brady's 14th championship game. It's Rogers' first one at home. How about that? Interesting. How about that? He's lost his last. What is he like? Uh, one and one and three in an NFC Championship games. Yeah, yeah, one and three, right? 
if you take Brady's history out of it and Rogers, without a doubt, has a phenomenal career. If you just watch them play one game, you were from like Kyrgyzstan and showed up in the United States and saw this game and watched this game and watched these two guys play. What is it get like? What is it like? Brady's obviously the greatest of all time, but does anybody play the position better than Aaron Rodgers? Really? Like, if the guy showed up and he was like, he, there's a very good chance he'd be like, the 12 in green is better than the 12 in, in pewter. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. at, what is it going to take for people to just kind of get over like the fact that Brady had the greatest coach of all time? Um, and they had a great team. Obviously, Tom was great, but like, what is it going to take for people to say maybe Aaron Rodgers play, plays the position better than anyone else has ever played it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know like, that, that. I don't know that that will ever happen. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Six more Super Bowls in the next fucking eight years. Excuse my language again, Drew. Sorry. Yeah, it comes down to Super Bowls, I think. And yeah. people are always going to remember those rings more than they remember how good somebody was positionally. He, he makes it look easy. Like Brady can make a lot of the throws, but like he makes the hardest throws, most unbelievable throws look easy. And then like the other day, he like, he like notices everything going on. He's the best at getting teams with 12 men on the field. He did it the other day. He is. It's those and hard hard count. Hard count. He's great. All those things he's great at. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, we'll we'll have to fly well, someone from Kyrgyzstan in by Sunday. I'm taking the over as well. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you guys. I think if anybody's going to break the Super Bowl curse, it's going to be Tom. As much as it annoys me, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, I I think you're right, especially on a three and a half point spread. I'm taking the Bucks. Uh, I think the over hits as well. Um, between one one of those teams will be over thirty, and the other will will be in the twenties, if not if not within a field goal. Especially if it snows. Um, couple of things. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Drew, that would be two games in a row taking the over in the snow when it worked out. <laughs> hey, a couple of nuggets. As I was doing my research on the NFC Championship game, I will also add a few for the AFC Championship game. So think about it. It's just, this is for, just from the Packers, right? From 1961 until 2006 – the Packers were 5-0 and in Lambeau in NFL championship games or, and or conference championship games. Obviously, the Ice Bowl, um, you know, when they beat the Cowboys. Um, but then in 2007, they lost to the Giants. I, th- I Honestly, like I said, I think it's going to be two in a row on Sunday. But a couple of just really – just some cool kind of things about the NFC championship game I noticed. There have been six shutouts in the NFC championship game. Now the Bucks lost the Bucks lost to the Rams 9-0 at home in 1979 in their first year, right? From in 1984, 1985 and 1986, the losing team did not score a point in the NFC Championship game. Now, the Giants, I know they're my team. Giants are 5-0 and in NFC Championship games and they've lost and they've won their last two on the road in overtime and have two shutouts in that game. 1986 and 2000. Now, do you guys remember the last time the Bucks made the NFC Championship game? No. Couldn't 2000, tell 2002. Oh, that's Gruden. right. 2002. You, you know who the losing coach was in that game? Callahan. Andy Reid. 
Andy Reid. <laughs> now, here's a, here's a good one for you. The Lions are the only NFC team to neither host nor win an NFC, an NFC championship game. Oh, interesting. interesting. Very yeah. interesting. I don't know. Just some nug, some cool nuggets. Nugs? I don't know if they're, they're actually not cool nugs. Spicy cool nugs. Cool nugs. Spi- spicy cool nug, nugs. Cool nugs, Ken. Totally. <laughs> Must have been the popsicle for, for dinner tonight. Anyway, moving on. Well, moving on to Buffalo, Kansas City, AFC Championship – for more of Ken's nugs. You want uh, spicy nugs first or you want our picks first? <laughs> you want spicy? I only got a couple of them. I, I give, give the spicy nugs after I. You uh, want to do spicy nugs yeah, late yeah. for dessert? Mahomes is concussed. <laughs> <laughs> His status for the game is uncertain. He'll need to pass the concussion protocol to resume business as usual. But if he doesn't, Chad Henney you know what I- <laughs> is back on her center. Hold on, Chad. <laughs> Hashtag. I just realized something. anything is possible. But what do you think is probable? Ken, give us your next. I think that Drew looks like Michael Landon. <laughs> Who's that? Dude, <laughs> from Little House on the Prairie. Anyone ever yeah. tell you that? No. I thought Drew's, you were talking about Drew's diehard Prairie fan. Yeah, totally. He loves Laura Ingalls. Um, he's a big Nellie Olson fan. Is um, there magic? I don't know. Dude, it's a show. Well, you weren't even alive when it was on, so um, – do I go? Am I going spicy nugs here? Or am I going? Yeah, you're going, you're cool going spicy nugs. nugs, and then we'll. I'll uh, go. I'll go. You want me to go spicy fits. nugs first? Yeah. I only got three of them. <laughs> All right. Believe it or not, this is actually the sixth AFC Championship game the Buffalo Bills have played in. They're four and one. People forget in 1988 they lost to the Bengals. Ooh. In the Bengals, the Bengals of, and that was the last time the Bengals appeared in the AFC Championship game. 31 years, longest drought. They're 2-0, and but they haven't appeared since. Now, this is the fourth for the Chiefs. They're 1-2. and Obviously, went in last year, losing the year before in overtime to the Patriots and losing to the Bills the last time the Bills made it to the AFC Championship game. Now, did you guys see that? that uh, the last time the Bills won the AFC – the Bills were in the AFC Championship game, they beat the Chiefs, and O.J. Simpson conducted the post-game interview. Um, no. Anyway – the only other spicy nug I had, because the AFC Championship game is, I guess, pretty boring. The Jets are <laughs> 0-4 in AFC Championship games. I just wanted to bring that up. Of course anyway, they are. But, of course they are. Yeah. But um, I just – a couple of things. Um, Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott both started out in the NFL under Andy Reid. Um, and I really, I really don't have anything to say about this game other than – if Patrick Mahomes plays, the Chiefs are going to win and they're going to cover the spread. But this is the matchup to watch. Like the next 10 years, this is Pat's Steelers, Pat's Colts yeah. in the last 20. Um, yeah. Really. The, the, the Chiefs are going to win. If Mahomes plays, the Chiefs are going to win. All right. That's we've it. got a spread That's of, it. That's uh, it. Spread of uh, three favoring the Chiefs, obviously. Uh, over under 54. Ken, you're taking Chiefs on the spread, assuming Mahomes plays. What if mm-hmm. it's Henny? Where, where are you going then? Uh, if it's Henny, I, I probably will take the Bills. But I don't think Henny's. I I I don't think Henny's gonna would play poorly. Like I think he'll they'll be competitive. Yeah. You know, like Andy Reid. You know, nobody. I think I said it um, 
before, like when he went in the game, no coach has more faith in his players than Andy Reid because Andy knows he can coach those players up. Yeah. And he does a good job during the week. I learned from Ken I learned from Ken Spicy Nugs last week that Michigan has the second most uh winning NFL quarterbacks in NFL history. Yep. Hmm. Behind no, Purdue. The, Purdue has oh. the most passing yards. Most ah, passing sorry. Yards. Screw up your spicy nugs. <laughs> what about over what under, I, Ken? You take whatever, it over or the under? Whatever, Charles Ingles. Um, I'll take the over. I got to Google this. <laughs> you look like Michael Landon. I just realized it. Well, I'm Googling him. How do you spell his last name? L-A-N. You don't know how to spell Landon? Land, land with now. an on. Um, but honestly, I, uh, but <laughs> what, <laughs> I think that, uh, but the other thing I, <laughs> the, other, the, other thing I well, the other thing I want to, why, why is it called an X factor? They're like Cole Beasley X factor. The X factor because he's why the, an X uh, he's the he's the X variable. He's but the why? no, not well, him. But why X? Why not another letter of the alphabet? Because in algebra, X is the undefined amount on yeah, either side of a solution. So if you're trying to solve <laughs> the problem, X is the thing that solves. It. <laughs> is that true? It's very much true. Yeah. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah, but what about a squared plus b squared equals c squared? They have letters in it. The Pythagorean theorem. Why Typic- not a y factor? I mean, that that's also true, but x is, if uh, you know what x is, you can solve the problem. Ken, you should have taken math on Vashon Island. Why? Because <laughs> they treated it. I'll, t- hey, I'll tell you why. Because our public school was considered one of the best public schools in the state, and it was so intense that once I went to college, I just barely went to class. We'd already yeah. read all the books. <laughs> they were making us read in college. <clears throat> Is it really? Yeah. Was it really? I got a, yeah. I got, I got a 98 on my trigonometry regions. It was junior high huh. school. Nice. Just a check. That's good. I but, hated trig too. Hey, oh, that was easy, man. I don't I know why so. trig for some reason for me was the class that like I just wanted to bang my head against the wall. You can edit. You could edit the math segment out if you'd like, Mark. But the X factor explanation, <laughs> spot on. You and I'll Michael, Land, you and you and fucking Charles Engel, Pa playing his fiddle over here. Charles Ingles. What <laughs> Drew? What do you think of the? What do you think of this game? Hey, I loved Simon Cowell in the show The X Factor. <laughs> that's that's Drew's spicy nug. <laughs> Drew was Drew was like Simon Cowell when we'd go to karaoke night, judging uh-huh. everybody. <laughs> I, only have one, I only have one song, Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. Nice. All right, Drew. Bills, Chiefs, who you taking on the spread? Who you taking on the over-under? And I, like I said last week, I feel like the Chiefs are still overlooked, and I think they're especially overlooked on defense. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew are very good players that seem to be overlooked still. I think their defense is a lot better than people think. Um I think this line would probably jump to five if Mahomes played. So I'll take the three because I don't see Mahomes sitting out no way. this game. So Mahomes plays, Chiefs win. Um, I'm taking the under. Just uh, I think I think the Chiefs defense stands up. The Bills defense looked good last week. Uh, I got the Chiefs and the under, especially nice. if it snows. Mm-hmm. Well, I am taking <laughs> I'm taking the Bills <laughs> on the spread. 
I I don't know what it is. I I love the Bills. I'm rooting for them this year. I think they're a dark horse for the Super Bowl here, and this is when it's going to happen. They're going to upset the Chiefs, and uh, we'll be talking about it for the next several months. Uh, I have Bills plus three. I'm taking the over. I'm expecting a lot of points, and I'm excited for this game. Super excited. Nice. I How love great Josh would Allen. It be? I, honestly, though, how great would it be if the Bills – think about this. If the Bills played the Bucks in the Super Bowl. So, for like the last 20 years, the Bills are like, God damn, I can't wait to get effing Tom Brady out of our division so we could win it. Now he leaves the division, and yeah. now look where they got to play it would him, right? be, It yeah. would be hilarious if it's Bills and Bucks. It would now, be amazing. Now, here's another thing, though. I, I After the Saturday night, I, I watched that uh, – I just, I don't know why I just felt, I felt for some reason I felt it kind of felt a need to watch the um, four falls of Buffalo 30 for 30. And uh, I mean, I mean, I always maintain, I've I've maintained this for like 30 years. I've been saying it. Um, And the level of appreciation of that team uh, just keeps going up. They're the only team to ever play in four straight Super Bowls. Um, And it way harder to play in four straight to make four straight than win one. I think so. Yeah. Uh, what that, that team did was amazing. I mean, that they all four years of high school, for me, the Bills were in the Super Bowl. How about that? <laughs> that's wild. All four well, years of high school. Yeah, going they four years so in a row, good, that says something for they sure. They were so good. And think about this. So the Cowboys won three Super Bowls in four years in the same time. Obviously, they beat them twice. That team only has five Hall of Famers. Buffalo Bills of that of that era have eight. Wow. They were good. They were so good on both sides of the ball. Like they were just awesome. And Marv Levy was just like, just like it seemed like such a calming influence on them and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And they were just there. It's just a lesson in resiliency. And if you know, I if you watch that four falls of Buffalo again, like. They got to the point where it was like, oh, we feel bad for them. And now everybody hated them because they were back. Yeah. And they were kind of like, F you, America. Don't tell us what we're going to do. And they right. just kept bouncing back. And I'm like, two of the two of the big, like, I, I would say maybe like three of the craziest games of my lifetime. To me, in my opinion, still to this day, the best Super Bowl ever was Giants-Bills with Norwood. Um, and the way that like they treated Norwood after the game was like awesome. Um, and then the Frank Wright game, that was the other one, but it was just uh, like the Don Beebe play when he tra- chased him down. He's like, not on my watch. I don't care what the score is. Like people wrote him letters about that. It was just, it's just a really amazing, amazing thing to have happened for those guys. And if the bills win the Super Bowl, it would be really cool to see a lot of those guys down on the field. Because like I said, I was like old enough to understand and know what the hell was going on. So all four years of high school, that team was in the Super Bowl. And trust me, I thought it was, I was like shit again, but um, pretty amazing. They had a, they really had a great team and just four days out of that. And in those four years, they just weren't the better team on that day. That's too bad. But I, Hmm. I hope for their sake, like Jim Kelly and all those guys, if the Bills win, man, that would be really cool to see a lot of those guys like celebrating with them. You know? Totally. Well, let's move into our final segment, our this week, which is custom catered to Drew, since we've got to know a little bit more about him at the beginning of the episode. 
he despises anything fantasy that isn't related to sports, so it only seems natural to ask Drew, what mythical creature would improve the world the most if it actually existed? Tell us why your choice is a centaur. <laughs> I'm going to answer your question with a question. Okay. What historic baseball player would thrive most in today's modern game? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I want you to realize that's what you're asking me right now. Okay. <laughs> I had to Google mythical creatures today. I found out a lot. I wanted to go with Kraken because of my new favorite NHL team, the Seattle Kraken. Yes. Uh, but through the beginning of my research, I found out that um, Trump's personal attorney, Sidney Powell, repeatedly threatened to release the Kraken in, in <laughs> reference to overturning the election. <laughs> I think we saw how that worked yeah. out. So I think a leprechaun would be the best just because <laughs> yes. people would be looking everywhere for this little guy. He grants you three wishes. Um, he's got a lot of gold. And Ken could do this instead of buying his Powerball ticket. What? Look for a <laughs> leprechaun and then follow him to the end of the rainbow for the pot of gold? Yeah, that's Dude. basically what you're doing when hey, you're buying so these you Powerball tickets. So you mean to tell me the same that people that complain about taxes will buy Powerball tickets. Whatever. I don't complain about taxes. I live in Texas. So if I, it, you mean to tell me $650 million, like you wouldn't spend like one, two to $3 to buy a ticket just to be like, because if you don't buy a ticket, you definitely can't win. Right. Would you spend $1? Would you spend $1 uh, knowing that if you got struck by lightning that day, you'd get $650 million? Yeah. Cause I could certainly survive a lightning strike. <laughs> <laughs> I could survive a lightning strike. Powerball's a scam. You're never going to win. You could no, catch but, a leprechaun, though. But if I don't buy a ticket, I definitely cannot win. Huh. But if I buy a ticket, there's certainly a possibility. Certainly True. a possibility, my friend. Um, put that dollar towards Bitcoin. At least you get like $80 out of it next year. Yep, totally. Um, so leprechaun. My answer is leprechaun. I like yeah. that answer. The answer Good is answer. leprechaun, and that's it. Oh, a I have more creature? to this story, though, so come back to me. All right, mythical we'll come back creature? to you, Ken. Who's your uh, your BFF, mythical creature BFF? Yoda. Yeah, Yoda. Yoda would be a great one. It's a very specific one. Who's Yoda? Yoda. Wait, like... Drew well, hasn't seen Star Wars, so he doesn't know. There's two Yodas. There's baby Yoda. True. And there's Yoda. Wait, so they're different they people? No, they're the ba same person, as far as we know. <laughs> baby Yoda? And Yoda? Wait, is Baby Yoda's not Yoda's baby? Baby Yoda they just happen. grows to be Yoda. <laughs> Another we Yoda. We don't know. No. We don't really we don't know, know yet. Yeah, we don't know yet. No, a lot of the, the assumption is that Baby Yoda is going to grow up to be Yoda. but like, So wait, it has to be a species of mythical... Nonsense. Yeah, like uh, you know, like a minotaur, or a hippogriff, or uh, uh, mermaids, 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 or sulky mermaids. The hell with it, mermaids. You, mermaids. I'm choosing broads over little <laughs> Irish guys like Drew. <laughs> mermen. Mermen. I'm choosing. 
<laughs> I'm choosing a, uh, it's a Made, which is a Japanese mythical creature. And it's just a monstrous bird with a human face because <laughs> I think it would be hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, okay. what, about, what about angels? Angels. They're very yeah. nice people. Yeah. They could probably assimilate to the. We could probably use nice angels if, flying yeah, I guess around. If you were saying, doing something that was everybody actually, be nice, right? Yeah. Right. A bird with a fucking human face would probably be very unhelpful. Yeah, and annoying. but and I feel a human like would, with a human with bird wings though, flying around. Yeah, telling people to be nice to each other yeah. when everybody's an asshole to each other. The most useful one would probably Especially be a true. dragon, which Drew hates. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a big fan either. Too much heat. <laughs> okay. Breath. So, so while I was researching uh, all these mythical beasts, I had the thought because I was also looking at football statistics, like what mythical beast would be the best football player? Yeah. So Minotaur. I came up with three. Oh yeah, you can give you can give yours. Uh, but I actually the first two. I'm not so sure of. I, the first one I, th- I thought of was a, a Minotaur. Do you know what that is, Mark? Yeah, Minotaur. That's yeah, what he, mentioned it. He, just, he just mentioned it before there, Michael Landon. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what you said, though. I Googled it what a, a Minotaur. Minotaur. Yeah. That's exactly it, what I it's said. Human head. It's a human body with the head and the tail of, of a, a bull. bull. Yeah. yeah, it's like those commercials yeah. with the, with the you motorcycles. You literally just said that? I thought you said he could fly. Oh, no, no, that's are- an it's a Made, but uh, after that, I said, when you said you were coming up with um, mythical creatures that would be good players, I said Minotaur. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the reason I thought I thought that was like he could still wear his helmet. Yes. Um, but he, he would have uh, – but the problem was is he'd be too easy to tackle. You could grab his tail as he ran through the hole. Yeah. Yeah, but also like horses are difficult to tackle. You the the funniest too. one I thought of would be a werewolf. <laughs> if like he played wolf. it like if he played it like a three thirty kickoff, because he'd be like a normal shitty football player for the first half, and then he'd turn into a fucking wolf in the second half. That's like Teen Wolf. Yeah, Teen yeah, wolf. yeah, yeah. So you'd have to like you'd have to really build a lead before he turned into the wolf. Yeah, so that'd be. You know, this reminds me of one of the very first scripts that I ever wrote uh, of a movie that, of course, did not get made. Let me guess, this did not get made. It did not get made. And it was called the ZFL, which stood for Zombie Football League. And it was a intentionally tongue-in-cheek, you know, B, really C, horror film where (laughs) a football team got transported to hell and had to play a game against the undead of football. I think that's right. It was called ZFL, Zombie Football League. But, but you know, the, the half of it was trying to win the game and half of it was trying to avoid being gnawed on or chewed up by – It's funny. I thought about, I thought about zombies, but they would, they would be terrible football players. Of course. Although they um, could do things like – throw their entire hand with the football you know, into the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> they could break some tackles too. Like yeah. that would be like in Kingpin when he rolled his fake hand in the ball and exactly. the hand felt stayed in the ball. The bowling exactly. ball. Okay, do you want to know do you want to know the one I came down with? Yeah. Let's see if Mark knows who this one is. Do you know what a manicore is? 
Yes. It looks like it has. <laughs> of course you do. It has wings. And right. What is it though? I can't remember. It doesn't have wings. No I wings. I don't remember. Okay. It's the body of a lion and the head of a human. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, its tail has poisonous spiked barbs that it can throw at people. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> of this shit. And also, its name translates to man eater. Yeah. This so, for some reason, I just picture like JJ Watt with a lion body throwing. <laughs> Why JJ Watt? Be a great defender. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> A great like edge, yeah. or or a great running back. Yeah, and if he can't get to the quarterback as an edge rusher, he just throws one of these spiked barbs at Tom Brady and he dies. Yeah, it's over. Well, this was a fun grab. <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> All right. If you've got a question or topic you'd like us to consider for future grab bags, please email fullblowncoverage at gmail.com. Why does Drew have flashing lights in his garage? (laughs) Are the cops in there? Oh, no. I'm watching like, um, I'm watching NFL Live. There's like a red carpet special. There's flashbulbs going. Uh, Sounds really cool. Let me rush off to go watch it. (laughs) Sounds amazing. (laughs) All right. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platforms at FullblownCVG. That's all we've got for this week's episode. But tune in next week for more full-blown coverage super bowl special next week super bowl special hey drew you like tacos better than tamales because your hat says you do